Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Hey, Brian. Hey, Andrew. We've been talking a little bit about BBQ Distro for uh, for a little while now. We've talked about their new monthly subscription box, and now we're excited to announce the first month's box is going to be... Blood Brothers Barbecue themed. Blood Brothers Barbecue from Bel Air, Texas, but those are the three boys from A-Leaf, Texas. If you guys are familiar with that area, we are because we, you know, we're Houstonians. Um, but some of the most exciting barbecue around right now, just creative specials, so much flavor in their rubs and sauces. So it's really cool to be able to get that delivered to your door. Yeah, really unique uh, flavor profiles from these guys. And so I'm really excited that this is a box that you'll be able to get, even if you can't make it down and try out the Blood Brothers Barbecue or get to the Barbecue Distribution Headquarters. You can sign up for the subscription box and this will be the July kit. Yep, so go to bbqdistro.com slash tales for all the details on how to subscribe for this month's box and future month's boxes. Again, you're gonna get two featured products from Blood Brothers. It's gonna have some offers from partners like Lone Star, 44 Farms, and others. You're gonna get live Q&A opportunities from different pit masters across Texas, videos from Joe Zavala cooking with Blood Brothers. It's gonna be really exciting and really cool for anybody that's getting this box delivered to their door. Check them out. Once again, bbqdistro.com forward slash tales. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we're in Montgomery, Texas with... Cooper. And Jacob. And you guys are with... Bar A BBQ. Bar A BBQ here in Montgomery. And this is a business that's been growing... It probably doesn't feel rapidly for you. It feels rapidly for us because yeah. like, we're old and time flies for us. But uh, it's been interesting <laughs> to watch like your journey kind of grow. And we'll get into all that. But let's start at the beginning as we always do. Cooper, tell us a little bit about your early memories growing up with barbecue or you know, what were kind of some of your barbecue childhood experiences. Yeah, so, uh, you know, born and raised here in Montgomery. Um, barbecue around Montgomery was always McKenzie's was kind of where we would go to. And that was generally, you know, you get a chopped beef sandwich or a potato, a load of potato or a burger or something like that, which at the time was barbecue to me. It was a burger. And then we would go to Hens's a lot down in kind of the Wharton area. My parents are, my grandparents live in Wharton. So that was my earliest memories was chopped beef sandwiches and smoked burgers. How about you, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, being a native Oklahoman, barbecue is a lot different and uh, a lot of bologna. I was about to, I was about to throw bologna out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love, love barbecue bologna. Um, but my mom worked in a smokehouse when I was real young. And I would remember going and visiting her while she was at the smokehouse. And the, the pit master would always hand me a sweet potato pie. And I just remember just how that made me feel, you know, and enjoying it setting up at the counter. And, you know, so that was just one of those memories that just lasted with me and always wanted to be, you know, in hospitality. And um, I just enjoy it a lot. So. So very, very strong memory. Uh, Cooper, for you, kind of what was your your first experience with kind of the type of barbecue that we have today? That was So I was watching an Astros game, and a special came on where this guy brought the announcers a brisket sandwich on a Krispy Kreme donut. 
and it was Brett's. And we had just moved to the Katy area, and I said, we've got to go try that. And uh, my first bite of, like, holy crap, this is different, was <laughs> Brett's. And once I had that, I was like, i got to find more of this. But, but the key question was, could you park when you had that bite? <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. I remember think, pulling in going, there's no way this place is that good. There's, like, two parking spots, and half of them are by a laundromat or whatever the nails. <laughs> a vacuum cleaner salesman. Yeah. Yeah. store. <laughs> Yeah, it was but a unique it was spot. Incredible, and me and my wife uh, went. We had just had our first kid, Palmer, and I think she was like four months old at the time. And we have a picture on my phone of Brett holding a brisket that was like the size of Palmer. <laughs> I've seen that picture. They posted it. that, yeah. or you've posted that. And I've seen that picture on on social media at some point of the uh, of the baby, or maybe I'm thinking I could be thinking a totally different place. But they've used it a couple times. Uh, okay. Uh, no, they're and and of course now they're in a new brick and mortar with plenty of ample parking. I mean, they're literally on the edge of the Katie Mills Mall, so yeah. unlimited parking in that aspect, um, and the same great quality of food. We're getting down there soon to those guys. It's just when cool. we have time now. Yeah. So did that kind of get you started on a, on a path towards cooking it, or that was just kind of your okay so when we moved to katie this would have been 2018 ish i believe we you know we bought our bought a house over in katie and i thought all right i got a house now we gotta get a smoker so i went and bought a like the smallest trader grill they had because it was on sale at the ace hardware down the road and when you buy a trader the first thing you do is you know YouTube, how do I cook a brisket? So I watched every Matt Pittman video there was on how to cook a brisket. And uh, my brisket looked nothing like the stuff he was doing on there. So I don't handle being bad at things very well. So when it's not good, I just get obsessed with it. And uh, that's kind of where it's led us to now, just keep doing that. As, as you kind of started cooking on that Traeger, what was, your, what was kind of your path to finding the right type of cook, the right type of pit and all of that? So I, I kept that Traeger for probably about eight months. And then I found the PBS YouTube Franklin stuff that everyone finds. And I thought, all right, I got to get a, got to get a offset smoker with the wood. And, um, so I had a guy out of Kaufman, Texas, build us like a Franklin knockoff looking pit. And it was a really good pit. Um, but, it took me forever, I feel like, to learn how to run a fire in that thing that actually cooked. Um, was it but, a pretty small firebox? Yeah, it was It was probably the size of the, um, what's the old country pits? Not I the just, smallest one, but like the next size. The Wrangler, like a, the, the Pecos is the smallest, and the Wrangler, I think, is the, the yeah. next size. Of, like yeah. it, you could fit four briskets on it fairly easy without being too close to the, the firebox. I don't remember what size, but it was... It was about that big, and um, it's, just, it's really hard to manage those fires because you have to get such small splits. Otherwise, yeah, you have the these first huge month was like spikes. I was trying to put these normal logs in there, like Franklin does. I'm like, why is this not working? And, <laughs> why am I going uh, from 150 to 400 degrees? Back to 150. Like, yeah. Spend all day like smashing my finger trying to get it to cut on the the saw and then chip, chop it down <laughs> and figuring that out. And yeah, it. it uh, but it just again, it didn't stop me. I just decided to keep trying to get better and better at it, and that's where we're at now, I guess. Yeah. So Cooper, you were you were cooking, you were kind of perfecting your craft. What what made you decide to actually get a trailer and and start to do this for profit? So uh, you know, my dad's 
a high school football coach, and Sundays are always film review days around the coach's office. And uh, there's all, usually one of the wives will feed all of the coaches on Sundays. Well, it got to the point where I just heard it was a chance for me to, like, kind of, hey, try this out. And um, after, you know, a year or so of doing that, I decided to try and start selling freezer-packed, like, one-pound portions of smoked meats to the teachers around the high school. And, kind of um, like a drug dealer? Yeah, maybe <laughs> on the parking lot, man, yeah. yeah. Cash only. And yeah. uh, we, you know, I'd cook that stuff on, like, Thursday nights and then uh, show up Friday before school, and then I would go deliver whatever was ordered. And um, it just got to the point where it was like, all right, this pit's great, but, you know, we're getting enough orders, we need more space. So bought a bigger pit and then – Sold that one, bought a bigger pit, and then another one, and we just kept buying bigger and bigger pits till we got the 500-gallon from Backline. And um, right about when we got the 500-gallon, was like, all right, we need to start doing more than just the teachers. So we started to try the whole, you know, tent pop-up game at breweries, and um, that was fun. It was definitely – it's a great way to, like, you know, really get some good feedback and kind of figure out what you're doing. Um, Pop-ups are incredibly difficult because you have to you have to pack up, travel, unpack, try to do it all on a timely schedule as well. Um, was there was there anything that you learned through those days that that you apply now as far as business? Time management. You've got to have everything <laughs> timed out and give yourself extra time for whatever you're doing. Like we were sweating today because we didn't really open the window till like nine fifteen and there was twenty thirty people in line, but it just. You know, the new layout and being a bigger, broader area, we just didn't have it timed up right today. So time management's a huge deal you'll learn with pop-ups. Big deal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the key things that your customers are always going to depend on is, okay, you're, you're open at this time. I should be able to get here at this time. And, you know, getting used to the sellout model of, of this style of barbecue, I'm sure is going to be an experience for, for this area that hasn't had a whole lot of it. But in terms of the pop-ups, what were those menus like in those early days? Were, was it similar to what you're serving now, or was it... You know? It was very similar, but it was a lot more condensed. Like, we had maybe three proteins. I think we did brisket ribs and turkey. Uh, we weren't doing sausage because we weren't making it, you know, quote-unquote ourselves. So I didn't want to serve if we weren't making it. But we did those three proteins, and then we had our cheesy taters and maybe pinto beans. And then we did the... We've always done the kolaches because... I grew up on eating those, and my wife did as well. So we've always kept those on the menu. That's a big undertaking for a pop-up is when you start making dough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're adding a whole other layer of things that can go wrong. And we've been, you know, here at <clears throat> Bar A, you know, we want to make all of our own bread in-house, all of our own buns in-house. And for like two months now, we've been trying to get this potato bun recipe. It's just kicking oh, our ass, man. And we're learning all these things about, you know, the air temperature and what it does. And it's just like, this is crazy. Well, and partially cooking, you know, and we'll get to the building and, and the future of Bar A, but that also makes it much more difficult when you're cooking partially indoors, partially outdoors, and, and you've got all of those fluctuations in temperature as well. Uh, as you as you started doing these, these pop-ups, again, kind of, it sounds like business kept to build, kept to build. What made you decide to go to the trailer route? Well, we, uh, I just kind of, in my head, honestly, I was like, this has to be easier in a trailer. We're not setting up a tent every time. <laughs> and uh, that was the biggest factor. I was like, we need to get a trailer. And, and Montgomery County doesn't have, like, the best, um, I guess, image from a 
new business perspective. The county and city tends to fight a lot of um, new growth, and the tent they were not a huge fan of the whole tent style thing here within city limits. So we're like, well, if we're going to stay in Montgomery, which we want to be in Montgomery, we need to probably get a trailer. And uh, we got really lucky and found that one that we have outside. So we, we've had experience with pop-ups. Um, we've not, we've had, we were able to borrow somebody's trailer once. Um, amazing trailer. Thank you, Tin Roof. Uh, but what was it like to, to convert that? I mean, what, what goes through the process of converting a, an ice cream trailer to a barbecue trailer? So we were really lucky that the trailer had a good layout to begin with. Um, it, it had some, some like chest fridges and freezers that we weren't going to need. So we kind of ripped those out. And then really all we did was we added a couple tables with butcher block countertops for a cutting board and then um, a space for a warmer. Um, but other than that, there wasn't a ton. You know, I, there's certain things I wish we could change on it, but um, it's, it's small in its job so far. So you went the trailer route. You start, you know, you're starting serving pretty every Saturday. Were you yeah. Once much? we got the trailer, we were like, we're going to do this every Saturday. Cause in the tent we were doing every other Saturday. And you're still at a full-time job during this time. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're still doing that. And like I said, I was, you know, managing a, a very large territory and um, on the road Monday through Thursday. And then we get home Friday and pick stuff up and cook it Friday night and serve it Saturday. So you did that for, I think, several months. And then every, I think every business eventually gets to that point where you've got to decide. Now that you and I talked about this, you know, I think on, on Instagram a while back of, you know, the scary plunge of you going all in or not. And, and, and I guess you guys had kind of reached that point. What, was, what were kind of the deciding factors of you deciding, okay, we're going full on in this business and you're going to try to make this a brick and mortar? We, so me and my wife had been kind of talking about you know, if we were to do this job, kind of what would it look like for about the last five or six months? So we've kind of been like, we're both on the, we were both on the same page. It was going to happen probably within the next year anyway. So it was really more of, we didn't think it would happen at the beginning of the year, but you know, it happened sooner than we wanted to. But, um, just really what helped us a lot make that plunge was, um, you know, Chris Cheatham who owns the property made it really, really hard to say no you know, he's in a lot of things for us over here that other places, it's, we want to get this chance again for this, you know, to get it going like this. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's terrifying. I'm still scared, but you know, today, today getting the first one out, um, makes it feel a little bit better. Like maybe we're doing the right thing. We're on the right track. Are you seeing obviously with this, and we'll get much more detail about this location, but now that you, you've done a pop-up, a pop-up here, a trailer here, did you see new people that have never seen it before that were just encountering it for the first time? I heard new voices. My back is always turned. So I, I was like, <laughs> I don't recognize that voice. I know Jacob probably got Yeah, Jacob probably had a better, better view of that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so bringing in Jacob was, was one of your, your key moves when you realized you were going to go brick and mortar and you obviously need to start building a staff. Jacob, what was what was your first impressions of Bar A Barbecue from the outside looking in before you joined? Yeah, so, I mean, I've known cooper for a couple years we started doing the pop-ups at the breweries and such that and he always had a lot of the questions when he'd come by the restaurant and you know just uh, which is great you know to see somebody hungry and eager to to get started and, you know i i liked him you know um 
And so you don't have to lie because we're here. You know, yeah, <laughs> I could say some things, but <laughs> I digress. Um, but you know, we just kind of hit it off. You know, it was just easy to talk to. Um, we same similarities, same likes. You know, um, and so he did a pop up. I think it was location six on a Sunday, and my wife and I we went out there. And, you know, he set us up with everything, you know, give me all the feedback. And, and I was honest with him and, you know, everything was really good. And some, you know, things that I told him that could use some improvement and stuff like that. And, you know, he, what really, I think for me, watching Cooper grow was the eagerness to learn and find a better way and an efficient way in a way that works well for him and always improving the craft. And even today, you know, we've, he says, no, we're not serving that, you know, which is awesome, you know, to be able to say. When you own your own business and you know that that's a financial impact, but saying that to uphold the quality is is a huge, huge sign of of good good people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, over the past, you know, few services that we've done, and the trailer before we got here, the same thing, you know, always, I'm not happy with that. We're not serving that, you know, and it's just, you know, something you just don't find. Most people, you know, young or chasing after money, you know, to recoup, to, you know, cause it's, it's an expensive business, you know, there's, yeah. um, but to be able to say, we're not serving that, you know, cause we're not happy with it. And I can relate to that 100%. So, and, and that's one of the things that over the years that we've been having these conversations with people in barbecue, it's one of the things that we really hear about the people that, that are really at the, the top level of, mm-hmm. uh, of this modern craft, whatever you want to call modern barbecue these days, is that willingness to always be willing to listen to, to others when it comes to, you know, what can I do better? How can I make this better? Is there a process that I can improve on? And it's just the greats and even the ones that have been doing it for many years that right. they're still tinkering and they're still trying right. to find, you know, this recipe they might've been serving one way for two years straight. And they're like, yeah, but I think I can make it better. And, and that, that's kind of what I think separates the, the people that stay in this business and the people that kind of just migrate right. in and out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many batches of grits and how many dough balls we threw out this week and, <laughs> You know, I mean, just. No, I'm never completely satisfied. Yeah, like there's, there's, you know, you can always be like, better. we're almost there. It could use this, toss it, you know, we're not serving that. So, you know, obviously a, a very strong background from you, uh, Jacob, with Tejas and, and watching the, the Franklin videos is a great mm-hmm. place to start. What other influences have you had on your cooking styles and methods? And we'll, we'll start with Cooper. My, my biggest has been, I got lucky enough to kind of get um, hooked up with Johnny um, up there at Goldie's. And, you know, when you meet Johnny, then you meet Lane. And I lean on Johnny and Lane for everything we do now. You know, I'm always talking to one of them throughout the week. And um, I've been fortunate, you know, being in sales, I've always kind of been a, a fairly good conversationist and easy to get along with, I, I seem, I feel like. But... Like, you know, James McFarland at Nomad and, you know, meeting James leads to, you know, meeting Mike at Reveille and Wade at Mimsy's and they would introduce me to Russell. So I feel like it's, you know, it's the barbecue community. I've always felt like 
if you're just a good person, like you're going to, you're going to become friends with a lot of people really quick. Yeah. It's a big network, but it's very small at the same time. You know, there's people all over the state that are doing this, but everyone seems to have worked with someone or knew someone. And so, yeah, I think once you, once you dive head first, like you dove in, I think, uh, you know, the network opens up for you if you're willing to, to listen and be receptive. What's really interesting is the names that you mentioned, you know, are this second and third wave. Um, and and as, as barbecue has progressed. Not Russell, was, he's old as shit. Well, you, well that was yeah, funny because that was old. like, yeah, exactly. But usually <laughs> it was like Russell the commission. was the first. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's funny to see for as long as we've been doing this now, but as things have progressed, like there's these other waves of people and everything is just kind of expanding outward, yep. which, is, which is great. Um, and, and Jacob, for you, kind of how did you, you know, again, perfect the craft and what other influences in addition to Tejas? Yeah, I mean, like when, when we were doing coffee, I had the opportunity to do uh, a pop-up with Lee Ellis mm-hmm. with, you know, Roundtop Smokehouse. And we did that before the Smokehouse started uh, during the Antique Fair and um, had uh, Dylan Taylor help us out a lot with that and lend us a pit to use and uh, um, the old red one uh, no, no no before that it, <laughs> it was actually a mill scale 250 oh, okay. Got one it. of the early ones and um, you know just some of his I mean Lee's kind of a culinary genius he just thinks it and poof there it is you know so I mean um, so and then also out there with the Royers and some of their dishes that they do with the grits and um, different style of foods that um, we were around, but um, and then of course Tejas, um, just learning, uh, watching, you know, kind of observing a lot of things. The Blood Brothers guys, amazing, you know, that brisket fried rice, <laughs> you know, it's one of my faves. But you know, and I mean, I think probably even one of my favorite dishes that that we do here is the turkey. So let's talk, let's talk the menu now, now that, now that you've gotten, I mean, I'm sure the menu is probably going to keep growing as you, you know, once you're, once you're happy with where everything is at, what's, what's on the bar a menu that people can get right now. And then, you know, if you want to talk about anything that might come up, you can, but we'll leave that to you. I mean, um, we're going to keep our proteins probably pretty stand, you know, I don't want to get a real big, vast protein menu. Um, the only thing we really want to add now is we want to do half chickens at some point, but I want to do direct heat um, half Thank chickens you. with those. <laughs> a, just to give something you know more budget friendly to people because this stuff's expensive. Um, so um, proteins wise, we'll stay where we're kind of where we're at. We do want to expand to add a couple more sides. We're in the cheesy taters now. We do what we call the cowboy refried beans, which is just you know we make our own refried beans. We add tallow to it, stuff like that. And then we do um, the jalapeno cheese grits. So one of the one of the things that you guys do, and, and for people that are coming out here, you're open for breakfast as well, and you have a breakfast menu. Um, we've already mentioned the kolaches. If you want to talk in depth a little bit more about that, and then there's a few other items that um, I and, want you to talk about coffee. too for breakfast and coffee as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, and just so no one gets mad, the klobbischnecks for yes. the German folk. We don't want to piss anybody off on this thing. <laughs> but uh, we we you know I grew up eating those. Um, what's funny is my my wife who she does all the baking for everything. She does all the breads and all that. And um, you know her grandparents owned a 
restaurant in Gordon, Texas called the Pepper Mill. And uh, they did a lot of, you know, clobbish necks and those kind of dishes and pastries there. So she's the one that really took it from me just making a pig in a blanket to what we're doing now. Um, and this week, you know, there's a lot of learning with the new ovens. We're learning that they don't cook like we thought they were going to. But um, no, we, we do the clob. And really the honest truth is it's A, they're delicious, but B, um, it's a great way for us to get a second chance out of maybe some chopped beef or pulled pork or something that maybe didn't sell the day before. You know, we can freeze that, chill it or whatever, and put it in kolaches for the next day. Um, and then we also do the homemade buttermilk biscuits, which um, I just love a good biscuit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're giant we're, too, which is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're yeah. we're trying to we're trying to be more of like a southern kind of home kitchen kind of vibe to the menu is what our goal is. Um, how well we actually do that, I don't know. But um, And then from there, I was like, well, why not just put gravy on it? We need to put gravy on a biscuit. So that led to the biscuits and gravy. And then instead of doing sausage in the gravy, we do chopped beef. Um, you know, again, another way for us to use kind of that point end of the brisket that doesn't, you know, you can't really serve sliced. So... Um, we're doing those two things. We're gonna. We're also doing their breakfast tacos. We're we're doing barbacoa, uh, breakfast tacos three days a week. We're gonna expand that. The biggest expansion you'll see with Barre over the next probably year is probably gonna be in the breakfast department. Um, that's where I, I really want to grow is that and and in the coffee field. And this this location, you know, let's let's jump into that for a second because that lends itself very much to breakfast um, and coffee. So you guys are here in Montgomery, but you're now right on uh, 105 kind of just a block maybe from the light here at yeah. 149 and 105 yeah it brings a, a, a different crowd and a lot of visibilities you drive through so again you're opening you're open for breakfast um, you've got coffee um, you got you got these these biscuits and gravy that I wanted to get this morning um, <laughs> but, but I'll be back I had them before um, Anything else you see kind of growing out of this business? You're in a brick and mortar for people that don't know. You know, you, you graduated from a trailer to a brick and mortar, easy to get to. Um, you, you talked about kind of the southern hospitality, the, the direct heat cooking. Any, anything else that kind of you want to, you have your vision for this place? So th- this spot, and again, it's, it's just because they're their best. But, I mean, I, I kind of want to keep this kind of as much to like a Goldie's kind of style Strictly barbecue at this location. You know, that's going to be the main focus. Obviously, we're going to do the breakfast and stuff as well. But, um, you know, we, we, we do have other concepts that we'll share down the road that, you know, we want to expand into other locations around Montgomery. Um, but this location won't see a ton of outside of the world or realm thinking, I guess, over here. Not, non-barbecue related. I don't care if he edits us out or not. Um, where's the best fried catfish to have around here? Vernon's. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm adding that. I'm kidding. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, Keep it in there. I, I love I, Vernon's. I've, Maybe I've we'll get a free a, catfish plate out of it. I love <laughs> I, I've been I've been having a, a hankering for some some fresh catfish. Now, how can people find you on social media? Where what are your so Instagram? Are? We are bar underscore a underscore bbq. Facebook and Twitter were bar dash a dash bbq. Quick question then, how did you come up with the name and who's on the face of the logo? So the name is actually my brother. Um, he opened Bar A Show Cattle down in Alvin. He raises uh, raised Brahmin 
and was in that whole world. So Barre was just, you know, Abercrombie's our last name, and he's the brainchild which tried that one. So um, I said, well, we're just going to steal it and be Barre BBQ, and mm-hmm. you'll deal with it. <laughs> and and the face on the logo? I went to... I haven't figured that out. I've looked at it, and I'm like, I don't know. It's no one here. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I went to, the, the guy does our artwork. He's out of Lubbock, uh, Heritage Press, great, great people. I said, I want a Sam Elliott type dude on our logo. That's what he came up with. So we stuck with it. You should have just made up some, like Ramon the Pitmaster, like the guy that cooks <laughs> yeah. all the briskets at Subway. It was me before yeah. I got all fat. <laughs> right. and everything, so, yeah. You could have just made this whole mythological story. We oh, man, it. we should have yeah. done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we're, we're super excited to see what you guys are building here. I mean, it's it's been great to watch you. I mean, I think we've been off and on seeing you around the barbecue world for the last well, few years. I, I think you have to mention, he, he, uh, we yeah. gave him a t-shirt. Cooper won a t-shirt yeah. from us. <laughs> they won a t-shirt. Three, still have that. Like three or four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's weird. Just we're, we're old. We're the old men in barbecue But to now, see somebody but, uh, go through the whole, yeah. like, it, it's, again, it's so interesting because, you know, there's hundreds of years of barbecue before this, and we call it, you know, and then there was this, you know, BF before Franklin time, and then AF after Franklin. Yeah. And it's, and, and What's available to learn from has, has just grown, the, the barbecue classes that are out there and everything. So it, it's amazing to see people that... The learning curve has never been as so fast. small as it is now. Yeah. And, right. and to produce quality barbecue. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, still takes, it still takes the oversight yeah. and oh, the wherewithal to And it to takes, not it takes the passion to do it. More, yeah. more than I mean, the, the, the educational tools are there, but you still have to want to bust your ass every day, learn it, screw up a lot of meat, yeah, screw, screw up a lot of bread <laughs> dough apparently, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and God knows what else. But yeah, you, you guys definitely have the drive to be successful, and it's been it's been fun for us to have kind of a fly on the wall just to kind of see you from afar growing this. And you know, we're we're excited for you guys. We're uh, you know we're really looking forward to see what the future is for Barre because I think it's pretty bright. Yeah, thanks guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank yeah, you. thank you.